0: Aren't we blessed with some talented uh, members of our church? We uh, appreciate them participating in this online worship service. This morning we are continuing in our series called Listen to Him. We are following Jesus as He heads to the cross through the Gospel of Luke and we're listening to Him. We're listening to Him as He teaches, as He responds, uh, so that we can learn from Him today. And so we, we come to Luke Chapter 18, verses 18 through 30. Luke 18, verses 18 through 30. A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one's good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder You shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I've kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed it, indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Peter said to him, we have left all we had to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come, eternal life. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let me ask you a question. What is one food you will not eat? No matter how it's cooked, no matter how it's served, no matter how it's prepared, you will not eat it. I have one. Now my wife Kristen's gonna tell you that I have many, and she's right. Uh, I am somewhat of a picky eater. I, I like to think that as I've grown and matured, I've expanded my horizon when it comes to the food I eat. She would probably disagree with that. In fact, probably the only thing that has expanded over the years is my waistline. The problem for me is that I may not like a lot of different kinds of food, but I like to eat a lot of the foods that I do like, and those foods are not very good for me. I have to say that during our uh, quarantine and during this coronavirus, I have uh, begun to slim back down. I'm back on my diet. It's nice to eat at home. It's nice to eat around the dinner table with the family. I'm not eating out, and so that's helping the waistline. There's, there's positive, there's benefits. But back to what I don't like to eat. There is one thing I will not eat. And that is mayonnaise. Why mayonnaise? I'm so glad that you asked. It was the summer between my junior and senior year of high school, and my youth group, uh, uh, my church youth group, we were having a youth week. And we would have, we'd sing songs, we'd worship, we'd serve, we'd play games. We all, we had a fun week during the summer. And so one morning we were at the church and we show up into the fellowship hall. And there's two tables. And on each of these tables are two ice cream sandwiches. And so the youth group was split into two groups. And out of those groups were uh, invited to pick one person out of each group to race against the other person to see who could eat ice cream sandwiches the fastest naturally ice cream sandwiches being one of those foods that i do like and eat a lot i volunteered for tribute i don't know who i was racing against i don't remember because it doesn't matter i was ready to dominate we both went up to the table stood over our ice cream sandwiches we listened for the countdown three two one Before you know it, I was finished with the first one. I think I may have eaten the wrapper with it. I was on to the second one. I opened it up. I took my first bite. I took my second bite. And I went to take my third bite. And I realized something was different. I realized, in fact, instead of the ice cream in the middle of the sandwich, it was mayonnaise. Let's just say I didn't finish that second sandwich, and I'm not going to tell you what happened to the first sandwich. I don't like mayonnaise. I won't eat mayonnaise. If you've seen me turn down your potato salad or your fruit salad or your ham sandwiches with mayonnaise, now you know why, I'm sorry. Mayonnaise is one food I'm just not going to eat. Beyond the realm of food, though, what's one activity that you will not participate in? Let's say everybody else is going to do this one thing, but you just refuse not to. Maybe it's riding roller coasters. You just, that's not your thing. Maybe it's skydiving. I mean, who would jump out of a perfectly good airplane? Or maybe it's getting on an airplane. It's just one activity that you just don't want to participate in. Is there one thing that you would just never consider doing? As we move into our passage from Luke 18, I want you to hold on to that thought of one thing you just won't do. This morning we come upon this interaction between Jesus and and a person by the... That Luke calls a ruler. This ruler approaches Jesus and he asks Jesus a great question. He asks, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I mean, this should be the question we're all asking. What must we do to inherit eternal life? And rather than the question only referring to how do I get to heaven, which I assume a lot of us probably think that's what he's asking. Rather, this question is a deeper question than that. This ruler is asking, what does it take to live a God-shaped life? How do I walk in alignment with God's ways? How do I enjoy the rich reward of a right relationship with God and thereby receive the kingdom of God? I mean, if you've got one shot, if you've got one moment with Jesus, you better make it count. And on all accounts, it appears that, that this ruler has chosen wisely. He's asked a core question of the faith. How do I live the way God wants me to live so that I can gain the kingdom of God, inherit eternal life? Now again, we're in our series called Listen to Him and we're listening to the words of Jesus as we get to the cross with Jesus. And so now we have Jesus who's been asked this core question of the faith. So let's listen to his response. He says to the ruler, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Now what's interesting in this response is that on first glance, we kind of think Jesus is dismissing this ruler. Remember the ruler approached Jesus as good teacher. Jesus responds with, why do you call me good? Uh, No one's good except God alone. But I think Jesus is letting this ruler know that he is on to something. Only God's good, purely good, God alone. And this ruler has declared Jesus as good. Jesus is letting this ruler know how close he is to the kingdom of God. He is standing right there in front of him, Jesus. Jesus is God in the flesh. The kingdom has come. Jesus is good because God is good. And he is God. For me, Jesus is not dismissing this ruler, but letting this ruler know how on track he is, how close he is to the kingdom of God. Let's see what else Jesus has to say to this ruler. He says, you know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. Again, as we listen to him, we hear Jesus do something interesting. He mentions the commandments, the Ten Commandments, but he doesn't list all of them. He only lists five of them. Now, the Ten Commandments found in Exodus 20, Deuteronomy 5 can be divided up into two core categories, love of God, love of each other, love of neighbor. Interesting, Jesus only lists the commands that deal with love of neighbor. I wonder why Jesus did that. I wonder if perhaps it's because we often assume we're in right relationship with God on a personal level. If we're focused on the on the vertical, the God and me, God and you. We probably all think we're in a right relationship with God. Me and God, we're good. I'm I love God, God loves me, all is well but when we recognize that our relationship with god is expressed through our relationships with each other the horizontal we're often forced to take a second look do i love god of course do i love my neighbor well which neighbor i mean i'm good with sheila but jane down the street ain't nobody got time for her she is nosy and she gossips I mean, I'm good with Steve, but John, man, he is so big-headed. He's so boastful and prideful. Woo! I don't know. Now, we're not going to even mention what our neighbors might think of us. But suddenly, if we think about it, like Jesus is forcing this ruler to think about it, we realize that if our relationships with each other aren't right, then perhaps our, relationships with, our relationship with God... Is not right. It's been amazing this past week or so as our community and our country we have moved to the social distancing, this physical distancing, to see how well we have tried to love and care for one another. To love our neighbors whether right down the street or across the across town. We've done such a good job of working on the horizontal, the relationships with each other. I've been amazed and so proud as your pastor to see how you have taken care and loved one another. In fact, we have done such a good job, I can't help but ask myself, what were we doing before? Why were we doing some of these things before we ever heard about coronavirus? And then that question leads me to another. What happens when all of this is over? Do we just go back to the way things were? Do we go back to not talking to our neighbors, only focusing on ourselves, not caring and reaching out to each other? It's a serious question because Jesus wants us to focus on loving God through loving each other. He wanted the ruler in Luke 18 to be focused on that too. That's why he asked if he had followed those five commandments. And in response, the ruler says, All of these I have kept since I was a boy. Well, it's like the ruler, I mean, he didn't even have to think about it. Yes, Jesus, I have done all of these for most of my life. And then it's almost like he's waiting for Jesus. Does that mean I get eternal life? Am I doing everything right, Jesus? Am I in right relationship with God? And Jesus almost cruelly responds, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. I mean, doesn't this sound so harsh? Here's this ruler who acknowledges the goodness of Jesus. He has followed the commands that Jesus has listed most of his life, yet this isn't good enough. It's not enough. But did you notice something? There was a commandment that Jesus did not mention that has to do with loving one another. It's thou shalt not covet. To covet something is to desire something that does not belong to you. It is to want something that is not rightfully yours can you see where this is going? Who is the rightful owner of the ruler's wealth? Does it really belong to him or does it all belong to God? Has he and is this ruler coveting God's possessions and desiring it for himself and himself alone? It would appear so. Luke writes, when the ruler heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Apparently, this one thing that Jesus asked of this ruler was too much. This one thing that the ruler wasn't willing to do. He had asked the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? But the ruler, he didn't like the answer. He had followed most of the commands. He was willing to do most of it, but he wasn't willing to do this one thing. He wouldn't do what Jesus had asked him to do. Again, I think we can read this and we can look at it and we can say to ourselves, man, Jesus is being really harsh. Come on, Jesus, cut this guy some slack. And then we got to go on. We think, certainly, Jesus, that uh, selling everything we owe and own and giving it to the poor, certainly this is not the requirement for modern-day discipleship. But here's the thing, the requirement for modern-day discipleship discipleship is the same requirement it has been from the very beginning. It is simply to do whatever Jesus tells us to do. It's to listen to Him. It's been this way since the very first disciples responded to their call to follow Jesus. Go where He tells you to go. Do what He tells you to do. To be His disciple is to listen to Jesus. Is to listen to Him. So I wonder. I wonder if you or I had gone to Jesus with this same question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? I wonder what Jesus' response would have been to us. I wonder what commandment Jesus would have left off the list knowing that that was the one thing we struggle with. I wonder... What the one thing is we are not willing to give up in order to fully follow Jesus. Beyond the one thing you're not willing to eat, beyond the one thing you're not willing to participate in, what's the one thing you aren't willing to give up in order to fully commit to Jesus? What are you clinging on to right now? What are you not willing to let go of? Listen, just because we're dealing with a global pandemic doesn't mean the cost of discipleship is lowered. Just because corona is lurking doesn't mean we get a break when it comes to following Jesus. In fact, I would argue that the stakes are higher, that the cost is greater. Now's the time for us to up our game as followers of Jesus and to get rid of whatever's holding us back from fully, Following him. Maybe it's like the ruler, and maybe it is wealth. Maybe it's the pursuit of money. Maybe it's not the act of adultery, but it's lust in your heart. Jesus says that anyone who has lust in their heart for one another is guilty of adultery. Maybe it's not the act of murder. But you have anger in your heart. Your relationship with another human being is broken because you are angry with them. Jesus says that if we have anger in our heart, it's the same as murder. That we are guilty of murder. What's the one thing you are holding on to that is keeping you from fully listening to Jesus, fully following Jesus? What is off limits when it comes to fully following him? Let me point out something to you. On hearing the request of Jesus to sell everything and give to the poor, the ruler went away sad. You know why the ruler went away sad? He went away sad because he was focused on the wrong thing. The ruler was focused on the one thing. He was focused on the one thing that he had to give up that he wasn't willing to. And because he was focused on the one thing, he missed the main thing. Listen again to the words... Jesus you still lack one thing sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven then come follow me again we can ask the question isn't this command too harsh why does Jesus keep being so demanding but by asking those questions we are focusing on the wrong thing just like the ruler was we get so caught up on the cost discipleship that we often overlook the treasure of discipleship. Jesus doesn't only tell this ruler to sell everything he owns and give to the poor. Jesus then follows that up with this invitation. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Sometimes we get so caught up on the cost that we overlook and miss the treasure. Later, Jesus would tell his disciples who had answered the call to follow Jesus, and in the process of doing that, they had given up everything. He says to them, Truly I tell you, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children or for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. I don't know about you, But after experiencing Jesus for all the years that I have, knowing who He is and knowing who He is in light of everything, how can we still look at this story and get caught up in how much Jesus is demanding? How can we look at this story and find it hard to to swallow? Yes, it feels harsh. Yes, the cost is steep. But in light of the treasure, the one thing seems like nothing. The one thing is to give up everything and lose nothing. While the ruler was focused on the one thing, he missed the main thing. Listen, I imagine that as I've been speaking, God has been tugging at your heart. I imagine that as I've been speaking, that God has brought to mind that one thing in your relationship with Him that you are clinging on to and holding on to and struggling with that's keeping you from fully following you. Fully following Jesus. I, I imagine also that at the same time that the voice of the enemy, the devil, has been creeping in there too saying, oh, don't worry about it, it's okay, that's not a big deal. You're doing everything else right. You know what God is asking of you. You know that one thing that He's brought to your mind, but it feels impossible. It feels like there's no way you could possibly give that thing up, and fully commit to following Jesus. I know it feels that way, but I want you to do something for me. I want you to again listen to Him, listen to Jesus. I want you to remember the words of Jesus and listen to Him. He says what is impossible with man is possible with God. This is not something that God is going to let you do alone. Lean on Him. Trust in Him. And lean on each other. Lean on those in the room with you right now. Lean on your family and your friends, your church family. We're here for you. But listen, God wants all of you. He doesn't want part of you. He doesn't want some of you. He wants all of you. And in return, you lose nothing and gain everything. You gain the kingdom, eternal life. Are you willing to give it all to God? Are you willing to give up that one thing? If so, all that God has to offer, including himself, is available to you. Man, what a deal. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Your word that speaks to us. Your word that speaks to us across miles and distance and screens and everything else. That speaks to us and penetrates our hearts. Father, you know what you are speaking to each one of us into our own hearts. You know the one thing that we are lacking. The one thing we're clinging on to that's keeping us to a full relationship with you. Reveal it to us. Strengthen us and give us the strength and the willingness to leave it behind to lose nothing and to gain everything. Father, we thank you that you are with us. We are thankful that you have surrounded us with each other. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.